Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. start this over because i just remembered i have to look at something please hold on i gotta figure out which episode this is oh okay um this is our new year's episode this goes out this goes out new year's day so happy new year yeah just want to mention that like it's timely or something Oh, welcome to the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast. I'm Jeff Johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico from the wilds of, of not the wilds, from suburban Australia. We've got Nicole Halton from Inspire DC. How you doing, Nicole? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. First off, Happy New Year, January 1st, 2024, as this episode is getting released. I think Ooh. that makes us into the 13th year of this podcast. That can't be right. 12th year, over Ooh. 10 years. Um, so that makes me feel old. Um did you did you go out <laughs> did you go out and have a wild New Year's? I can I can pretty safely say no, no. Um, I could Listen, not tell we're you. Recording a couple I days before Christmas. <laughs> but I can safely predict that I'm not having a wild New Year's. We are going out. It's actually my father-in-law's birthday on New Year's Eve, so he has asked us if we'd go out for dinner and to watch some fireworks that are happening near them, which are, I think, on at 9 o'clock. They're family-friendly fireworks. So I'll be in ho- at home in bed probably by 10. Um, but although he did suggest having dinner at about 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'll have eaten on an arm off by then. It's <laughs> like, we've got children. We eat at, like, 6. Um, but I can safely say I, don't, I could not tell you the last time I saw midnight at New Year's Eve. What about you? Uh yeah, Tasha has a friend who who has kids who are planning. They like got a a fancy rental place right at the beach, and they were doing a thing. And we, she said that we should go to. Not Tasha. The friend said that we were invited to that, and and Tasha's like, eh. And yeah. then she mentioned to me, and I was like, eh. Um, yeah. yeah. Being around strangers, <laughs> yeah, it's just too the too much. Um, no, I'll I, I might I mean I'm I'll probably see midnight, but it, it'll be with a dog sleeping on my lap or something. Um, yeah. So, what's family no. friendly fireworks? What's that? Well, it's just that it's on at nine o'clock instead of midnight. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. I didn't know so if you had some sort of weird pornographic find- fireworks <laughs> in Australia or something. Or- <laughs> No, but there's an idea there that we there could be something in that. 
But no, usually I think the midnight fireworks, by the time it gets to midnight, things are getting a bit messy. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of yeah. drunken behavior. Whereas at nine o'clock, it tends to be all the families that are still out watching the fireworks. The drunks haven't gotten too drunk yet. And then you can whisk the children home to bed. People get people get drunk in Australia. I know. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's very difficult to believe. You wouldn't have ne- noticed that at all when you visited. Um, no, because I was but... I was in bed by eight thirty most nights. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, that's good to know. That's good to know. So we are doing uh, January second as our anniversary, and we're doing we're going to try a fun thing. We're going to. Um, the temperature is supposed to be right at freezing early in the morning. Oh. And our plan is to wade out into the the deep, deep blue sea um up to our up to our necks, just walk out in the cold water and do it's kind of like one of those, you know, they they do those polar bear plunges, people do those. Um, where they jump mm. in the, the freezing water, except it's going to be, you know, walking yeah. in and it's not quite that cold, but it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be chilly. I, I expect my testicles to hide someplace behind my liver um, before it's all, all over, <laughs> <Pretty> which, <sure. laughs> which might be too much information, but uh, um, we were, we were discussing it this morning. Um, so we got that, that, that's we're our sharing show. <laughs> The, um that's our that's going to be our our celebration for that time of year i guess um well, the so, real question is why why uh just for yeah. the experience yep okay yeah right. yeah for Take the experience off. it's been a i mean it's been a long time since my testicles testicles were behind my liver so you know um <laughs> moving on got a hypothetical for go. you <laughs> I got a hypothetical okay. for you. I've been asking this one. Um, I don't think I've asked you this yet before. I don't have a note on it. Um, which fictional pig do you think would taste best and why? I posted, you might have saw it over in Playhaven. Oh, see. Mm, yes, that's why. I'm like, it's ringing a bell. I feel like the Australian in me is patriotically has to say, Babe. <laughs> well, Babe is the first. I got a list of twelve fictional like pigs, and and Babe is uh Babe is top of the list. So why do you think Babe would be so delicious? Because Aussie stuff's amazing. <laughs> like all Australian stuff's amazing. So there you go. I just I feel like I have to. So how how were how do you imagine preparing Babe? Um. Uh, are you letting babe grow up and turn into a, a, a full-size pig? Are you roasting babe as a piglet? Are you are you putting the apple in the mouth and slow roasting? Mm. Slow roasting? Are you you I'm making that bacon? Someone will outsource that for me, <laughs> and you you I need that to be somebody else's thing. Uh, and yeah, no, it needs to be like a full-size babe. We actually. Um, our friends have a farm and we were visiting their farm earlier this year and they've and they have problems with wild pigs and so we were on the lookout for wild pigs and we were riding in one of those um I don't even know what you call it but like a farm buggy kind of thing we were riding in that sure. and we spotted this pig and it started to run 
and then after it ran all these tiny little piglets and they were literally like just no bigger than a loaf of bread they were really small and so my husband bailed out of the thing like the buggy to chase after them to pick one up and show it to the kids of course and said to me put your foot on the brake I I didn't get the brake I got the accelerator foot on the accelerator we went flying I then got the brake we all got whiplash dog included but the enjoyable part of the story was we got to see a little piglet up close and we didn't need it okay I gotta get more information on this who who was driving he was driving and he was driving he was driving and he leapt out to chase a wild pig and said put your foot on the brake and so I leaned my leg over because I was in the middle it's like a three-seater across the front so I was Mm -hmm. in the middle and so he's like put your leg over like you know just put your foot on the brake and so I've kind of stretched my leg out thinking I got the brake and I got the accelerator but we got to see a cute little piglet I, I I I assume you you were you were parked or in motion when he bailed out to chase the pig. Oh no, we were in motion. Uh, this is a this we is a very motion. manly. We... You're you're married to a very manly man. Look, it wasn't going super fast. We were just like <laughs> cruising along. It's a buggy. It's like it's not super speedy. Like a golf cart. Like a like a yeah. They're kind of beefy, yeah. They're an yeah. off road golf cart kind yeah. of thing. And so we had uh. I think, yeah, I must have had one child in the front seat with me and then the other two and the dog in, like, the ute tray of the back of it. And so it was like everybody hang on except everybody got whiplash. We were all fine. Sure, and you got to see a little baby pig. What did Mama Mama Pig think about? Well, Mama Pig Pig had bailed. She'd left the pigs. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. And they were all running up the hill chasing her, like trying to catch up to her. And this one was just a little bit slow. A little bit slow. So, but we only did, kept it for a minute or two and then sure. let her did the, did the dog jump out and go to help its master? No, but he was very enthusiastic about the whole thing. I thought okay. he might. He was very enthusiastic. He's definitely not a pig dog. Um, he's he's a, a golden dog. retriever. So <laughs> he look maybe if there were ducks on, you know, if if we were out with ducks, maybe he'd have gotten out to chase one of those. He did on the same trip chase a rabbit, um, and just took off in the opposite direction <laughs> chasing a rabbit. But no, he did not chase the pig. Well, listeners, this has been Pig Talk on the Child Care Buying Girl Podcast. <laughs> Um, so Nicole, um, I had, I've had heard from a couple of listeners that were, were wondering if we could talk some about documentation and I know that's something you, you all at Inspired EC are kind of, kind of into and have thoughts about, um, don't, you're making a face at me now. Do I have thoughts? Yeah, no. I mean, you usually have thoughts. I mean, you guys do some trainings (laughs) along this topic and stuff, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's let's? I I don't know. We call this uh, documentation Australian style, or or what? (laughs) But I thought we could. I thought we could roll some stuff out for people. Okay. So I'll just start with anything. It's such a broad subject. Like documentation is. is such a huge topic, and it's funny because. 
when I first started in early childhood, it was very much, and, you know, we're going back over 20 years, it was very much we used to kind of write down things that had happened. There was lots of kind of jottings and running records and, you know, Sally picked up her pencil in her right hand. She held it in a blur and, you know, like those sorts of things. And so that stuff in terms of documenting that, we were observing it, but then we were documenting it. We were just kind of writing it all down and then we did and this is very old school, we had photos that we would take, we'd take our film to the chemist, which is, <laughs> what do you call that? It's not a chemist over there. What's it called? Oh, I can't think of the right word. Like a pharmacy? I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it. Walmart, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where you take take film to get developed. I don't know. But we used to take like the little film canisters sure. and get them developed and then you'd get the photos and then we'd like stick the photos on and then we'd write the stuff underneath it and then it'd all go into a folder or some of it would go up on the wall and you know it was kind of a lengthy process and we then, better we were pause for a second explain explain okay. oh, we've we got some younger listeners Film. now <laughs> back in the day you you couldn't just magically have a, a photo appear yeah. on your magical computer pocket device you had to had to had to put film in a camera uh, and you couldn't expose it. It couldn't get any light on it. And you had to, you had to put that in the camera and then, and then you take the pictures and then you uh, look, if you, if you're lucky, you could get them back in an hour um, mm. there, 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 you could get actual prints and back. I'm old enough to remember it would take a week or more <laughs> yeah. to get photos developed. That's how, old, that's how old I am. Yeah. Um, it used to then, be a couple of days for us. <laughs> yeah. And then, so what you're taking it, you're putting the tacky stuff on back and you're, you're pasting those into some sort yes. of documentation book or. Yep. Yeah. And so much of it was done by hand, like so much of it. And then we kind of, I think we then got, once we moved into being able to get digital cameras, that made things a little bit easier, but we were still doing a lot by hand. We'd print the photos out and then we'd still write it all by hand. Sometimes we'd photocopy things so that if they were for multiple children, you might get a photocopy of it, but you still weren't using computers a great deal, you know, like, um, and then obviously it changed again and we started being able to use computers and putting that information into there. And so we've seen such a massive shift in the way that people document like the techniques that people use are so varied now um we it was funny when um Tash and I were working together it was about 2004 I think and we started doing a lot of project work with the children um in our preschool room and so we had these big books you know big kind of a3 a two kind of books and, and we'd write everything down in there there was lots of mind maps and you know all this kind of stuff and I found one of them um oh must have been about 10-15 years later um at the service I was actually visiting the service and they had them still and we got them out and I'm like oh there's something really authentic about that you kind of as soon as you started leafing through it, it was like this whole documentation of, you know, say it was about dinosaurs or whatever, you could see this whole story that had evolved over a period of time with a group of children and it was very tactile. You could see where the children had glued pictures in or where they'd drawn on it or, you know, there was this kind of really hands-on thing about that. And that's one of the things that I think we lack now in a lot of early childhood settings is everything has become so digital, everything has become online, you know, we've got apps now that we can kind of document children's learning and send it directly to the parent. And 
you know, it gets filed and then we never see it again. Like that's it. It's gone. Yeah. And that's kind of, kind of my question. Why, why put the time in if it's just going to get filed away in a cabinet or into a hard drive or, or something? What's, what's documentation for and who is it for? Who is it for? Exactly. What's the purpose? And it's funny, um, Tash is actually a, a trainer for Claire Warden's approach, which is talking and thinking floor books. It's a whole big approach and you can kind of find out all about that. But essentially the idea is that it's collaborative documentation of children's learning. So you're doing it with the children. It's hands-on. Mm-hmm. It's very tactile. It's it's physical, you know. It, it's a physical piece of documentation. And what's great about that is that children can engage with it because so much of what we do now or what most services do now, children have very little connection to what we're documenting about them. You know, Uh we're writing, we're tucked away in a staff room or something, typing things away on a computer about, you know, how Sally played in the sandpit with, you know, this child and this is what they did and blah, 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 blah. They have absolutely no involvement in that. And the parent might get it and we might send it to the parent, but then it's, it's, gone so unless we're displaying something on the wall or unless we've got something physical like those big books or you know like we used to have folders where we'd put different things in folders and keep it on the bookshelf and children could go and revisit year after year after year mm-hmm. unless we have that children have very little connection to the documentation and it feels I used to think it sometimes even back when we did it the way we did early on we'd give families these big folders at the end of the year and some families would love them and they'd be filled with all the bits and pieces. Others, I'd think that probably won't make it home. Like that'll end up in the bin, you know, like they're just not that invested. But then I know when my own children went through and they went through the same service that I'd been working at, they'd moved to fully digital. And so I used to get an email every night that sort of said, here's, you know, an update of what we've done today. And I'd be able to look through the photos and whatever. And I loved it, but it was also a little bit disconnected, you know, like, whereas I think about those folders and I know even now my kids have some, you know, folders that they bring home from school and it's got all their schoolwork and stuff in it. And they will often go through the old ones and talk about what they did and what they learned and what they knew. And I know my mum actually has those from when I was at school. You know, she's got that stuff, my drawings. And one of my um, artworks actually made it onto a laminated placemat and has now become the placemat for their cat dinner. Um, <laughs> so every time I walk past where their cat eats, I can see my artwork from when I was six. <laughs> I, I bet you feel very proud about that. I do. I do. <laughs> well, y- you got me thinking here. Um, so... In a lot of ways, documentation can easily become more about the finished product than it is about the the process. It's about having something filed away someplace. So much. And if it it's, is, it's, it's about having something filed away someplace and ticking a box. Yeah, yeah. And you know, ticking the box to say we did that. We actually documented that that learning took place. Because because documentation is looked upon as as kind of a a sign of quality. It's mm. it's the and so if you're but if you're just collecting information and just ticking that box, 
um, I think the step that is that is often missing is the the re the review and the reflection of of what's documented yeah. by by the adults. Because if we're if we're collecting that information and we're using it to um, improve our environment, or alter or adjust our practice, then that's part of a a quality program, I would think. But if we're just ticking the boxes and we we have to get three pictures taken of of, uh, of this kid this afternoon to make sure the app the magical documentation app is happy or whatever yeah. it is then it's then it's just going through those those motions to 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 tick that box to finish the finish the product yeah and I think so much of it has become about a product and you know I know there's services here in Australia that have you know they'll say we need to have this many pieces of documentation per child per term or you know like they're very rigid in it whereas mm -hmm. it should be a really fluid thing like okay we're going to need to have some you know if you've got um you know particular things that you need to meet in terms of your regulatory requirements or compliance or whatever like that's fine and you want to make sure that children aren't just being missed there will be some children that just fly under the radar and there's others that you see every little thing that they do because they come and tell you about it and you know like they're a yeah. bit more vocal about it but you'll also have children that attend five days a week and children that attend once a week and so what you collect on those children will be different mm -hmm. and you know like there's just so many factors but I think we've become really focused on what it looks like making it look pretty you know I know that happened quite a number of years ago when I was still working in early childhood that it was very much about let's make this look beautiful and you know, I, I I loved some of what I see coming out of Reggio Emilia and was always inspired by that when I first started in early childhood. But I think a lot of people took what they saw and thought, oh, I need to make every piece of thing that I create look amazing. And, you know, they'll spend so much time trying to use scrapbooking paper and, you know, make these pretty things that the content's actually shithouse. You know, it's like what you've written yeah. is crap, but gee, you've made it look beautiful. What was that's, the point? That's crap, but it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, beautiful crap. And so, and so I guess there we're getting caught up too much in the process because I know, I mean, some people really get into that making it pretty. And, and part of it is because, I mean, they're going to post a picture of it to Instagram. Yeah, and so it's going to look lovely. And so if it looks lovely, that means, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of a dick here, but if it looks lovely, that means I'm a good teacher. Yes. And, and look, that is a big part of it. That's a huge part of it for a lot of people. Their, their worth or their value as an educator is tied up in how well I can put something together and display it on the wall or how well I can, you know, and don't get me wrong like there is a place for aesthetics you know I don't yeah want, like, absolutely if I'm putting something up on the wall I'm not just gonna you know throw it up there with a few thumbtacks and stuff hanging off it and whatever I'm gonna put it in a frame I'm gonna make it look nice like I would at home but it's not about I don't know like it's not about going over the top like you've got educators I know very much so here in Australia now it's burnouts huge and I know that's something you've talked about a lot um but it's a huge factor here and we're kind of at breaking point where I think we're going to have some very big problems in our sector because people are leaving they can't get staff because everyone's mm -hmm. just burnt out and whatever but then I hear or see 
some of the documentation that some people are doing. And I think you're putting extra pressure on yourself where it's not needed. You know, like it's that fine line between how do I meet the requirements? How do I make this a special thing if I'm going to display something on the wall or present something to a family? How do I do that in a nice way, but also not, you know, burn myself out completely? Because it's not a it's not a sign of who I am as an educator. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 to to backtrack a little bit, uh, there are probably some wonderful educators out there who also do beautiful documentation. Absolutely. Um, so so that creature exists, but because so much time and energy goes in to the documentation process, whether you're trying to make everything beautiful or whether you're trying to make, make the app happy because you have to have so many, so many pieces or so many entries for each kid. Um, that's a, that's a time suck. And that is, that is basically a, a tax on, on the individual caregivers time and energy and, um, life, but it also makes the program more expensive because if you have to have enough staff to supervise the children and do all that pretty foo-foo stuff, the program becomes more expensive. And then, yeah. and then we're always talking about how childcare is is too too expensive. <laughs> so when we when we create systems that drive up the cost, of course, childcare is going to be more more expensive. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do documentation um, so we can cut costs three and a half percent, but yeah. there there is a relationship it's the there. Yeah, it's the balance. And I think uh, it's, oh, I have so many thoughts around this now that we've started talking about it and then they all go in different directions. But I think it is, it's a balance of, you know, it, like we want people to spend time on the process but what part of the process are you spending time on? Is it the making something pretty or is it the critical thinking that comes with documenting the learning that you've seen? Is it the, you know, I, I remember, and I tell this story a, a little bit um, in some training that I do. Um, I was sitting in the staff room one day and Tash was actually, we were still working together at the time in service and she'd been out in the room and she was on some programming time. I must've been on my lunch break and she was watching this video that she'd taken of this group of children in the preschool room and they'd built a mini golf course out of like blocks and loose parts and odds and ends and whatever. And so she'd recorded this video of them, you know, building the course and kind of testing it out. So they'd sort of built it, they'd tested it, but then as they tested it, they kind of made some adjustments. But it wasn't until she watched it back that she started to notice some really different things about it. And she must have sat there and watched it half a dozen times, just noticing different things each time she watched it about the way the children used the materials, the way they interacted with each other, the, you know, her involvement in it. Like there were so many things that happened. And I think that's the part of the process that we probably don't give enough time to. You know, it's like yeah. we're spending time on the the making it pretty but the part of the process, you know, are really big and coming back to what you said right at the beginning, you know, who is the documentation for? Okay, it might be for the families. It might be that we're displaying things or we're giving them things, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, at the end of the year, whatever. So it might be for families. It might be for children. But again, if we're displaying it, it needs to be able to be displayed to them. If we're recording it, it needs to be not in an app that they don't have access to. Um, but it is also for educators. You know, it should be a tool you know, the documentation that we do, that whole process should be a tool for critical thinking. 
to thinking about how do I work? Why do I work in this way? Why do I set up environments in this way? You know, all those kinds of questions that make a massive difference to the way we provide care for children. Yeah, yeah. And if the focus is on having, deciding which pair of of fancy scissors to use to cut the borders to go around the yeah. pictures instead of reflecting on what you actually got captured pictures of um you're you're kind of yeah. losing the plot there a little bit <clears throat> excuse yeah. me so um i think you you mentioned claire and and her her floor books and i think i think documentation well look like e everything else I think kids should have as much ownership of, of, of the process as possible. So if you can create a documentation process where the kids are actively involved in documenting their own learning from, from an early age, whether they're, I mean, you set up a system in the classroom where if they create something that they, they think is worthy um, either if it's an art piece, it's something on paper, there's a place that they can go put it. There's a classroom uh, camera where they can go take a picture of the block tower or the mini golf course they created or whatever it is. Um, letting kids take ownership of that document pro documentation process is a, a wonderful idea. Um, yeah. Although it might be hard for adults to to let go enough and let that happen. It is hard for adults to let go. I can remember when, and it was before we even knew about Claire's approach and we were kind of messing about with our own approach and then we come across Claire's and went, oh, okay, that's much better. But what we had done was kind of these big books and we'd write down, you know, what we'd done in the day and what it, but the kids had helped, you know, they'd, we'd print out photos and they'd help cut them out and glue them on. Now, if you've ever seen a three-year-old cut, it's typically not very straight. And when they glue, the edges might be stuck up or they might get stuck together or they might overlap something else. Or, you know, you've got to be able to let go of that. And when you let go of it, you actually see that when children have control over it, what's created has far more meaning. Like it just feels different. It feels, I hate to use the word authentic because it gets overused, but it does feel really authentic. It feels like this was, you know, it belongs to the children. It's not about me and kind of, you know, showing that I'm a good teacher. It is actually belonging to the children. And, I mean, we can still connect that to our other processes. So, you know, it might be that we, so for example, in Australia, we've got um, a learning framework that's nationally recognised and that all our services need to kind of work within that learning framework. So that means that when we document things, we will often link to outcomes within that framework and whatever. It doesn't mean we can't do that, but we just do that at the back of the book. You know, like we're not doing yeah. it right there. We kind of put a little code and then we'll track it at the back of the book or the children don't need to be involved in that part. That's for us. That's mm -hmm. not about them. It's not even really about the families, but the families can check it if they want to. But the children are involved in the storytelling. And I think that's the really big part that they need to be involved in that storytelling we then step in with the what does this all mean but they tell the story you know they should be able to tell their own story yeah yeah and all of their all of their engagement in that process is is more learning uh Absolutely. whether whether they're grabbing the classroom camera and recording some video or taking pictures whether they're doing the the imperfect cutting and the the gloppy gluing 
um, with the, all of that, the the self reflection, the the critical thinking of is this something I want to want to document or not? Yeah. All of that is is problem solving and physical development and and thinking and and valuable. And um, I think you know if we're looking for a a future childcare workforce, training kids up to be reflective in in uh, <laughs> in their early thing. years might. Might lead to might lead to better workforce for for the profession and other professions as well. Yeah, and that's it. I think you know when we give children ownership of it, there'll be some children who are like, "No, nah, I don't want to contribute. <laughs> like, I'm just I'm busy doing something else. I'm not interested." But usually, yeah. when they've got something that they're proud of, or something that they've been working on, or something that they're interested in, or whatever, most children want to share that, and they want to share that in a way that's meaningful to them. And you know, it's I don't know. It's about seeing documentation as more than just what we put on paper to display on the wall or to you know send out to families or whatever. It's seeing it as a process, but just seeing the parts of the process that are most important and prioritizing those. And I think they're you know the collaboration and the reflection rather than you know the prettying up of things. Yeah. Because yeah. You know I I don't know I just and. I have I have been there. I've been a prettier upper and you know, like I like things that look nice. And so I've been there and I've done that, but I've also recognized that it wastes a lot of time. Time that yeah. I could then be spending doing something else that's more valuable or, you know, like the the return on the investment is really not there just because I cut it out with the crinkly scissors or, you know, displayed it on a different color poster board or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no better return than if I displayed it as he is and the family still come and engage with it. Like it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. This, I think we've talked about it before. This I think is a, a prime place for my, uh, my classroom drones and, uh, and artificial intelligence, because if you, if you have, if you have classroom drones just hovering up there towards the ceiling, kind of, kind of capturing, capturing stuff with kids, um, the drone says, Hey, Oh, look, they're building a mini golf course and, uh, and notes things. And then the AI analyzes that video. And then at the end of the day, you get an email with uh, short video clips and the AI saying, Hey, Hey, Nicole, take a, take a look at what was going on with, uh, with Benjamin and uh, bunny today in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the, on the playground, because they were, they were doing this really cool thing. Um, then you get the, the, the technology does a a first filter on the reflection and you get these uh these bits and pieces that you can reflect on more to 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 enhance the environment what do you think i think you need to patent the idea so there is i've I've noticed here there is some ai technology coming out around documentation i'm sure there is in the states as well um i haven't tested any of it myself and i i remain Oh, I remain very on the fence about it. There's this part of me that loves any opportunity to save time. And I use a lot of automation and a lot of, you know, I I do use a lot of AI in what I do. Like a lot of the, you know, graphic design programs I use and all different things use artificial intelligence. Like there's a lot of what we do in our life now that is AI. So I love anything that's going to save me time that I can then spend with the children if I'm working mm-hmm. in a service, for example. That's, I love that concept. I'm hesitant or I'm nervous about 
people stepping back and not utilizing the knowledge and the you know like sure. relying on it that's what and and it, it's not then for me I think it's probably not about the technology and I think this has probably been an argument that I've heard a lot around AI it's not necessarily the technology it's our implementation and our use of the technology it's how we as humans sure. rely on it or don't rely on it or whatever so I'm I'm oh, I'm hesitant but I think the drone could be a good idea Oh, oh, the drones are going to be great. The drones are going to be <laughs> wonderful. Um, yeah, um, it's all about it's about taking no matter what it is, whether you're you're make, doing your documentation by hand and using the the uh, the crinkly scissors and posting the picture to Instagram, or whether you're relying on the technology. If you're not taking the time to reflect about what you're documenting, you're missing one of the key steps or, or key yeah. purposes of, of documenting. Yeah. And that's it. I think there's always got to be that human element of thinking and wondering. And I wonder why the children played like this. I wonder why they chose to use that material in that way. I wonder why, like, that's the whole reason I got into early childhood was because mm -hmm. I wondered why, like, I was like, I have no idea why children do these random things that they do. I'm really interested in that. And I, I think about that now and I think it worries me that there may be educators who go, well, I don't have to wonder why anymore because I can just plug this bit of information into a piece of technology and it'll tell me the developmental domains that have been achieved it'll link it to some learning outcomes and I will be done and yeah. I think that's what scares me and that that highlights what what's missing is yeah. that reflective yeah. practice part of and it. if 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 that's what the technology is doing I'm I'm not for it I would like to see technology used more for helping people helping helping people see what they should pay attention to because there's there's yeah. so much that goes on in a classroom that we that we miss you can miss yeah. Um, especially if we're trying to step back and give kids space to do their own thing. And yeah. and so if we can use technology to help capture that stuff or, or use the children to help capture it. Um, yeah. <laughs> because when there's learning going on that, you know, if we're over here with this group and on the other side of the room, there's kids doing something else. And then they come over with the, uh, the, uh, the camera and say, Hey, look at these pictures I grabbed of the blah, blah, blah that we made. Um, that's, that's information yeah. that you would have missed otherwise. And so, uh, three-year-olds exactly. and cutting edge technology can both be used to, to help improve documentation. <laughs> like an well, odd blend of the two would be good. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. If only three-year-olds, we could start building some sort of cyborg three-year-olds where we started putting yes. like implants and uh that kind of thing i'm sure that would mm. go horribly wrong and maybe they'd have like you know those glasses that like i think ray-ban or something bought them out and they've got like a built-in camera to capture oh, sure. things that you see yeah, yeah maybe they have something like that oh but it would no it, it, mm, the kids are notorious about losing glasses and stuff so it would we'd have to actually replace eyeballs well, we'd have to pull out the human okay. <laughs> biologic eyeballs replace them with uh with camera lenses and stuff um i mean that's just or maybe maybe a that chip in the yeah it does sound messy um well i think we've come to the end of the episode um starting to sound like it any final thoughts Oh, I just feel like I talked around in circles. There's, it's just such a big, broad topic, doc documentation. So I'd probably urge our listener who 
came forth with that suggestion if they've got other specific questions to fire them away and we might be able to kind of go into some of those specific things but it's just such a big broad yeah piece of thing well we can just hope they were hoping that it would get me talking about uh cyborg drones again um listeners this has been yeah. the child care buyer and girl podcast the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast that wants you to document and then reflect Thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.